so I'm not Scotty. He and his family are celebrating one of their grandchildren's baptism today, so that's good news. So I'm blessed I get to preach, and so I'll be preaching out of Matthew chapter 28. If you brought your copy of God's Word, I invite you to find Matthew chapter 28. We'll be picking up at verse 16. Title of the message is A Good News Person. Good news meaning the gospel, a gospel person. I've been talking about being a God-fearing person. I talked about being a person of peace. Now I'm talking about being a good news person. What kind of person do you want me to be, guy? That's probably what you're thinking. But, okay. Oh, thank you, Jeff. I want to share with you Ronald Reagan's favorite joke. Now, he was a president of the United States back in the 80s. My mom, who would have been 92 this year, she was what, the, what you call a Reagan Democrat. My, yeah, my, my dad was an Eisenhower Republican. Get out of the way. He was a World War II veteran, and we have a World War II veteran in the house here somewhere. His name's Pete. Do we know where Pete is? There's Pete. I think he should be honored right there. He's a World War II veteran. So here's Ronald Reagan's favorite joke. I hope that you have your text ready. Matthew chapter uh, 28. All right. There were twin boys, six years old. Their parents were terribly worried about the boys because they were developing extreme personality traits. One of them was a total pessimist and the other a total optimist. So their parents took them to a psychiatrist. First, the psychiatrist treated the pessimist trying to brighten his outlook. The psychiatrist took him into a room, piled to the ceiling with brand new toys. But instead of yelping with delight, the little boy burst into tears. What's the matter? The psychiatrist asked, baffled. Don't you want to play with any of the toys? Yes, the little boy bawled. But if I did, I'd only break them. That's not the punchline. But don't forget this, Ronald Reagan would ask Ed Meese, I believe the guy was the guy's name, tell me that joke. And they'd be in the Oval Office, tell me that joke again, tell me that joke again to see why. Next, the psychiatrist treated the optimist. Trying to dampen his outlook, the psychiatrist took him to a room piled to the ceiling with horse manure. But instead of wrinkling his nose in disgust, the optimist emitted just the yelp of delight the psychiatrist had been hoping to hear from his brother, the pessimist. Then the little boy, the optimist, clambered to the top of the pile, dropped to his knees and began to gleefully dig and scoop out that stuff with his bare hands. What are you doing, the psychiatrist asked, just as baffled by the optimist as he'd been by the pessimist? With all this manure, the little boy replied, beaming, there must be a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> now, you see, you see why Ronald Reagan liked that, because don't you think that being president is stressful? Of course it is. But in the Christian world, man, don't, you know, it's like in the Bunkhouse Gazette. There was a, a quote in there. Negative people find a problem for every solution. I, I like that quote because it is so true. And we find ourselves falling into the pit of negativity so easily. And as a follower of Jesus, we have to understand something. We're called by Jesus to be good news people. We have good news. Now, I'm not talking about being some like Gomer Pyle-like person. Like, anybody remember Gomer Pyle? 
Howdy, Sergeant. Hey, hey, Andy. I used to do a pretty good Gomer Pyle. Shazam! But we're not, we're not, we don't go around like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Listen, we're living in this age where we have bodies that wear out. We're going to have health issues. We live in this age of sin and people make poor decisions. And some, their decisions are oft, oftentimes going to impact our lives. We have children who might go the wrong way and we just grieve over them. We have things, we, might, we suffer. We suffer with all sorts of things, but through that suffering, we stand out as good news people because we believe in Jesus. We believe in who He is, and we're following Him, and we want to fulfill our calling. So we want to be good news people. Now, Jesus, in the text here, I want to explain something. I'm going to read verse 16, then I'm going to stop and explain why doubting is a good thing. You see, a lot of people would teach out of this, and they really don't, they've never, pastors have never really understood or been able to express what that really means, what doubt means. We think it's a negative thing, but I'm here to tell you it's not, and I'm going to explain it to you. And what I've learned, because I've preached this text a lot in 20 plus years I've been a pastor, and I've always angsted, that's a good word to look up, I've sweated over this. What, do, what does this mean? Is doubting good or bad? And I think doubting is good. I'll tell you why. I'll show you in a minute. So, you got your Bibles? This might be the best part of the sermon, verse 16. But I want you to stick with me because I'm going to show you today how we can be good news people in a world full of manure. Huh? That's the best way I can put that. Verse 16. Now, let's set the stage, the context here. These disciples had seen Jesus already prior to this meeting. Matter of fact, Thomas had put his, you know, said, I, I'm not going to believe unless I put my hands in his, uh, my, my hand in his, uh, his hands in, the, in his side. So Jesus had appeared to them previously. He'd also had appeared to some women uh, the day he was resurrected and said, go tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. So they knew where to go. And so this is what's happening. They've gone off to Galilee and verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The word doubt in the New Testament is only used two times. It's used here, and it's used in Matthew chapter 14, where the beautiful story about Peter walking on water is told. Now, I want to talk, I want to just briefly touch on that story. Jesus had had a busy day doing what he did, and the disciples had been busy with him too, and so it was getting late in the day, and so we, Jesus said, guys, get in the boat, go across, I'll catch up with you later. Go across the sea, eight miles. And so Jesus went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Our Lord did that a lot. The disciples got in the boat, and they started rowing in the boat, Okay. <laughs> But the wind and the waves were beating against them, and they weren't making much headway. It got late. It was about the fourth watch of the night, which is between 3 and 6 in the morning. So there's a storm, and the lightning's flashing, and the guys are rowing, and they're oh man, you know, we're never going to make it. And all of a sudden, they see what they thought was a ghost. And that word in the original language is where we get our word phantom from. Phantasma. They thought they saw a phantom, a ghost. And they were terrified... Wouldn't you be? 
somebody's walking along the water. Well, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't fear. It's me. And Peter, you know Peter. There's some of you guys that like Peter. Some of you ladies. Yeah, the character of Peter. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Come. I don't think that's how he said it, but. So what did Peter do? He, you know, he's got out of the boat. And here is something that's miraculous and amazing. He walked on water. He believed, right? He got out of the boat. He believed that was Jesus and he was going to him. Peter believed. He walked on the water. Now, he gets close to Jesus. He gets within arm's length. I believe because the text implies it in that story in chapter 14. And all of a sudden, a big wave and a gust of wind comes up. A spray must hit him really hard in the side of the Peter, in the side of the face. And he looks away and he becomes, he's afraid. He's, at that moment, he's afraid. And I'm here to tell you that that happens to all of us. Something hits us up the side of the head. Some type of hard spray alert, takes us, our attention away from us. A follower of Jesus, a person who trusts him through thick and thin, all of a sudden we have that cold sweat of fear that comes over us. Everybody does. We all deal with it. But Peter didn't stop believing because when that happened and he started sinking, he turned back to Jesus and said, Lord, help! And the Bible says immediately Jesus reached out and took a hold of him. Now he said this, Oh, Peter, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you waver? And guess what happened? Peter didn't disbelieve. He diswavered. But then when he got, got a hold of his senses and said, Okay, wait a minute. I'm starting to sink now. I need to look back over here. That's what we do. And that's why doubt can be a good thing. Because it puts your attention back on Jesus. And you'll grow spiritually that way. Here's one a beautiful thing in this story. I really like it. They walked back to the boat. Right? Then say they did the... Amer uh, the American crawl. I was going to say the breaststroke, but I didn't think that would be appropriate. But then the wind calmed. And all of the disciples go, oh my goodness, who is this? Peter didn't disbelieve. We don't disbelieve. They weren't disbelieving. Their minds were swirling with this thought. What now? What's going to happen now? What are we going to do now? Our leader's going. What now? You see, that's all it was. Okay, so I hope you get a good idea of what that means. I wanted to share that with you. Now I'm going to start preaching what I'm going to preach. Be a good news person. Got your Bibles? Let's look, pick up in verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said... Now, did you notice that? Jesus came... To them. He, you know, there's a beautiful, wonderful truth that we're taught in, out of James. And you can finish it for me if you know it. Draw near to the Lord and He will draw near to you. That's correct. Beautiful thing. They were drawing near. Jesus came to them and said, and here's our, here's our uh, text today on how to be a good news person. I'm going to give you five words and I'll do it quickly. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
the very first thing that we want to remember is the word authorization. That means to have been given power, to have been given authority, to be given the right and the privilege. And here's what I know. I believe this with all my heart. My Lord, my leader is in charge of everything. Jesus is over all everything. The best way I can illustrate this to you, and this is being filmed, I think. It's on the, on the Facebook. That's what I call it. Yeah, I'm trying to break myself with that. I put a V in there. I think they should do that. Don't you, Tony? Yeah. Maybe not, but he had to say yes. Okay, so anyway, I had a boss at the News Leader where I worked. And when I went up into management, it seemed like I was getting called on the carpet more than normal. So I'm just encouraging everybody here to don't, don't take management jobs. <laughs> Stay on an hourly rate. You'd be glad you did. Anyway, but uh, I'd get called into the office, and this is how the boss would sit. Now, I knew what he's doing. He's using body language to try to intimidate, and he'd sit like this. Now, this is what he did. See my pinkies? I thought he was the devil. I'm not kidding you. I probably get a telephone call. But what my point is, what the boss would tell me was this. He'd say, Zimmerman, because I guess I was doing stuff. Zimmerman, nothing is going to be done unless it passes across my desk first. But the point is, I may, is listen, whatever happens, whatever situation that you find yourself in, it's got to pass over his desk, Jesus Christ's desk. He loves us so much. He knows our struggles and our sufferings. He's interceding right now on my behalf, helping me. And yours too. He's been authorized with all power. That every knee shall bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and every tongue confess, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Second word, the first one was authorization. The second one was intention. If you look at your text where he says, all authority in heaven has been given to me, or your Bible might say all power, by the way, you could say that. Then he says, therefore go and make disciples. There, that word go means to be intentional as you go through your daily life. To be intentional about proclaiming the gospel. Looking for every single opportunity that you can preach it by how you act or share something that you know Jesus has done for you. Testify. Intention. Proclaiming the good news of salvation. Now, I saw this happen last night. As I was uh, watching football. I watched the football. Fell asleep in the last game. Niners beat the... Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I didn't see how that ended. I saw the score, though. Sorry about that. But, oh, yes. Uh, anyway, so I'm flipping back and forth because there's a little button you can do. It's a back, You can press it. It goes to this sandwich, this channel, and then press it goes to the other one, right? I'm just now figuring that out. Well, I'm going to the Grand Ole Opry, man, because Ricky Skaggs was on it. And Kentucky Thunder, and they're the best, hottest bluegrass group around. And Russ Carson's a fine spaniel picker. I'm going to try to get them to come here. I don't know them, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I, tried, I tried to get Ricky Skaggs for 22 years down there at Tolls Arcana Church, or 15 years, but he never came. I, don't, I was hoping to see the bus in the parking lot, but wouldn't it be great to have Ricky Skaggs? Anyway, my point about this intention is Ricky Skaggs demonstrated it. 
because after his guys, they played a couple songs, he, came, he was coming off stage. I wonder if everybody saw this. And the lady was asking him, in her kind of interview, and Ricky, what advice would you give to young men and women? Now, Ricky took that, and he was intentional about bringing everything back to his Lord Jesus. I was, I was thrilled. He goes, well, what I would suggest to them is that whatever they do, however they do it, give glory to God. Serve Jesus. Give glory to God. Man, you see what he did? Every opportunity, be intentional about proclaiming the good news of salvation, about desiring to see people being converted. Con with vert turn. Seeing people making a turn in their life instead of living a life led by wickedness and depravity, immorality, anxiety, discouragement, that we could be those people that intentionally go out to help them make that converse. That's a form of repentance where they will turn and follow Jesus and listen to the good news of Jesus Christ, repent and believe in the good news. So authorization, intention. The third word, I'm going to try to go slow here a little bit. Slow, fast. Fast, slow. That's, what I, that's how I preach. Fast, slow, slow, fast. The third word, immersion. Now, I was really disappointed in myself in the last service that I left out something. So I don't, Sandy, don't let me leave it out, okay? Okay, so the immersion, if you look at your text, very simple here, you're making disciples, and then we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Many of you are Bible scholars, you already know that the word baptize, baptize comes from the original language. They didn't change it when they translated the scriptures. What it means is to immerse or to dip into. It's a picture of somebody dying food. Uh, yeah, food, you can die an egg, dip an egg in it, or taking a ladle and putting it into the water. And so this immersion is a wonderful thing that we do to testify. To testify for the sake of the glory of God. Jesus did it in Mark chapter 1 verse 10 where he came up out of the water. When I baptize people, I tell them that when you come up out of that water, of course I'm going to take you down and then I'm going to wait till your face shines a little bit. <laughs> I, I just kid them on that. I just... And then I'm going to come up. But man, their face is shining when they come up because they're, they're testifying of the glory of God. That He's in us. And He's shining through us. And this is our immersion. I want to talk about this. This is your first opportunity to bring glory to God. Pastor Scott, he said something last week. I really liked it. And I'm thinking, I was going like this trying to kick myself. Because I've been pastoring for almost 23 years. And I'd never thought about baptism this way and he said it's an outward declaration of an inward transformation it's an outward expression of what's happened in here i can't wait to be baptized to show everybody what jesus has done for me right and so this is what i left out over there as a pastor i was ta i was I guess i was bragging that's why i got off track but you know what's sad is many churches that baptize by immersion They've not seen a baptism for years. Their baptistry is full of junk. Their changing rooms packed full of stuff. They don't have any expectation or anticipation of baptism. I'm not bragging, but I never did average less than 10 baptisms a year. One time I baptized eight people, and then at the end of the service I said, Now, if anybody wants to be baptized now, I'll go in there with my clothes on. And I did it. Somebody got baptized. And here, take it from me, don't walk around in wet socks. Because it's hard on your feet. Now, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm just trying to help you there. If you get anything out of the sermon. Yeah. 
But something else has happened that I thought was interesting is I would have full-grown adults come to me after church or something, like even today maybe. Uh, but they'd say, Pastor, I, when I was baptized, I didn't really understand it. I just, you know, I, I did it. I followed my big brother or my big sister or, you know, I just thought it would be fun to get dunked, you know. And so I, when adults would come to me and say, Pastor, I really want to be baptized I, or rebaptized, I said, no, you want to be baptized. Because now you understand that you want to honor and testify to the Lord of what He's done in you. And you want the whole world to know whether they, you care what they think about you or not, that you're a, a true dyed-in-the-wool follower of Christ. And that immersion is a powerful testimony. All right, dear ones? So I've given you three words. Authorization, intention, immersion. The fourth word is instruction. And you'll see what Jesus commands them to do. He says, and this is verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. (laughs) Instruction. Listen to this. We must, we must, we must, we must. Preach and teach what we practice. Being a hypocrite and just telling people, well, this is where you live, and then you live like, you know, what I'm talking about, you know. I mean, it was really bothered me when I was growing up. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about myself. My mom and my dad, great people. Dad's a World War II vet. Um, They smoked Chesterfields. I mean, it was cool to smoke back in those days, okay? I mean, they got married in the early 50s. And Chesterfields don't have a filter on them. Or, or you could have pale male or camel. Anyway, there was a lady, there was a bait shop down south of Springfield on the way to Springfield Lake. We lived not far from there. And we'd swing in that bait shop and buy a pack of cigarettes for 25 cents. She wouldn't sell them to anybody but me. Just the little lady that lived there. And so I'd get my cigarettes from there. I'd sneak them in the house. Then mom and dad go to bed. Me and Rick would get up. That's my older brother. He just had his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Rick. And we, we, have a chimp, we have a fireplace, and the smoke go right at that fireplace. He'd hot box it for a minute, and then I'd watch him. But see what happened? I, I mean, I love my mom and dad, but they were telling me not to do stuff they did. We've got to preach and teach what we practice, and that's what Jesus says. Teach them what I've commanded you. You got to do it. And Pastor Scott, he's talked about that last week. What the command is love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. You're standing out as good news people. Good news people have the Lord has the authorization. They have intention as they go. They testify by immersion and they're involved in instruction. One more thing about instruction I want to add. Ah, many of you could tell the story of David and Goliath, you could do it. Many of you can tell the story of Daniel in the lion's den. You can do it. There are so many other stories that you could tell. You could tell the story of Joseph and his uh, coat of many colors. That's a great story, wonderful story in the Bible. I'm even thinking about diving into that in the coming weeks here on Thursday nights. Learn to tell the stories. You don't have to have a big chunk of Scripture. You can pull out two verses of Scripture. I'm going to do that right now for you. But these stories mean something to you. What story really means to you? And then think about it and pray over it. And God will take you when you go out into the world and working and digging through that manure pile as a good news person, looking for where God's working. He will invite you to use that story to bless somebody. Somebody at your school that's being ostracized or bullied. 
somebody at your work that is being ostracized or ostracized or bullied. Somebody that's alone and lonely, that has no friends. God will use you to encourage them and to help them come to conversion, repentance, and coming to Jesus and being born again and to get baptized and then having purpose in their life. And they'll get on that pile of manure and dig with you. Tell the stories. I'll never, this is one of my favorite stories. I love it because it speaks to people who would say, oh, God can't accept me. I mean, I can't go in the church because the roof fall in on me. Or I'm, they think to themselves, I'm such a sinner. I'm just no good. The devil whispers in their ear, don't listen to that. You're, you, you know, you, you can't do anything about your life. You're stuck there. I've got you. And so you think about something to help somebody. There's a story about this leper that he heard about Jesus. And he, he comes to Jesus. He gets on his knees and he's begging. And he says, Jesus, if you're willing, clean me. And leprosy was a horrible thing. And this person wasn't supposed to be there. They are supposed to be out of the camp crying, unclean, unclean. And Jesus says, the Bible says he was filled with compassion. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. He was filled with compassion. And he said, I am willing. And Jesus reached out and touched him and said, be clean. And just like that, he was changed. Just like that, he was cleaned. Oh, what love is that? Learn to tell the stories. Learn it. You don't have to be perfect, but you've got to hit the high points. Okay? You've got to get the important points. The, the fifth word I really glossed over quickly because I was running out of time in the last service. But I've got five, six minutes right now, so I'll get it. Be a good news person. You, Jesus is authorized. He's, he's the king. Intentional. Immersion. Instruction. The fifth one is provision. If you look at the text with me, I love this here. It says in verse 20, In teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, hey man, practice what you preach, preach what you practice. And surely, for sure, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen, Jesus said it's good for him to go to the Father because he'd send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be with us We have the promise of what I call Emmanuel. In Joseph's dream, I, I didn't I always double check what I say because I don't like to be wrong because you can get the gospel police on you. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. I got him now. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Been down that road. Get pulled over by the gospel police. Sorry. But Emmanuel. The angel told Joseph in a dream, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means, say it with me, God with us. People, good news people, yeah, we're going to suffer. Yeah, we're going to die. Yeah, we're going to find that we're weak in certain areas. Yeah, we've succumbed to temptation. But man, we he is with us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. Hold on to that promise of his provision. Hold on to the promise of his protection. God has been so good to us. So good to us. Good news people will fulfill their calling. They're going to dig like crazy and they're going to find it. They'll keep digging. They'll persevere. Your life as a good news person will have eternal significant impact. You created 
to do great and wondrous things, greater works than Jesus, he says. You are poised to fulfill the promise of our Savior. Question, have you decided to follow Jesus? It means I'm going to turn away from the world and sin. And I'm going to follow him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to reach out to him. Say, Lord, are you willing? And he's going to say, yes. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And the church rolls on. And the manure pile is defeated. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, I know that many of us are in the constant prayer, but now we're in a congregational prayer. We come together united with joy, with gladness, with thanksgiving, because we have a wonderful church. I thank you for Sock River Cowboy Church. I thank you for everyone that serves. I thank you for all of these folks that uh, bless us with their unique giftedness on Sunday mornings. I thank you for everybody that serves in the kitchen. I thank you for everyone that comes and drives on this property. You're making a great statement of your love for the Lord Jesus. And I do pray, Father, for each and every one of us as we go out into the world on Monday morning, that when we wake up, our feet hit the ground, we say, Lord, grant this servant of the Lord success today. Let me fulfill my calling to be a good news person. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.